Hi, this is Michael Buffer, and welcome to the Box Hard Podcast. Hello, everyone. This is Mikey Garcia. It's the monster from the swamp, Regis Ruguru Program. Hey, what's up? This is King Carlos Molina, former IBF world champ. This is Michael, the bounty hunter, 2012 Olympian and your people's champ. This is Charlie Edwards, flyweight champion of the world. This is Fast Eddie Chambers, and you're listening to the Box Hard Podcast with my main man, Joey Coastman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 373 of the Box Hard Podcast. I'm your host, Joey Coastman. I'm joined, as ever, by former heavyweight world title challenger, Mr. Fast Eddie Chambers. Eddie, how are you doing this week, my man? I'm doing good, man. How about you? Always good when speaking with you, Eddie. You bring the good vibes. And yeah, man, it is what it is. We're going to move straight on to the review part of the show. We're going to start here last Friday, December 2nd. Um, it was at the Newcastle Arena in Tynham Ware, United Kingdom. It was live on Channel 5. Um, let's start with the undercard. Friend of the show, Lyndon Arthur, now 21-1. and He closes his year with a bang. A TKO there in round two against Joel McIntyre. I thought that fight would go late. I thought even perhaps that we could see Lyndon Arthur go the distance. But really big statement, I think, from Joel Mac- uh, from Lyndon to knock out... Joel McIntyre in just two rounds. McIntyre now 20 and 5. Um, I did reach out to Lyndon. I think he's currently ill. So I wanted him to come on the show this week. Perhaps we'll get him on next week. Um, what else do we have? The main event, of course. Wow. Troy Williamson loses his O. He's now 19 and 1 with a draw. He lost, of course, to Josh Kelly, who's now 13 and 1 with a draw. He was dethroned, Williamson of his British super welterweight title. I'm going to run through the rounds. Um, Round one, an unbelievable round for Josh Kelly. Um, He was hitting Troy Williamson with loads of huge shots. And um, honestly, Williamson was kind of like, you know, they say like a deer in the headlights. He was getting hit with shots like he did not know were possible. I mean, you know, Kelly displayed every punch in the book and more. Um, The angles were crazy, you know, huge hooks, huge uppercuts. It was literally like a pound-for-pound great against an amateur. Um, Unbelievable round for Josh Kelly. And listen, I really like Troy Williamson. Um, That's no disrespect to him, but Josh Kelly was unbelievable in that first round. Um, I do believe Williamson thought he could walk through Kelly. Um, But yeah, like I say, huge round for Kelly. Round two, another Kelly round. Kelly's counter-punching, particularly the counter-uppercut, um, was working for him really well. And to be honest, when you think about it, that counter-uppercut, Eddie, if you can walk someone onto one of them, it's probably one of the best-looking shots in the game, um, especially if it's done correctly. It was really working well for Josh Kelly. Um, he was very confident. You could see the way he was moving and glancing around the ring. Um Yeah, excellent round. Round three, another round for Kelly. I saw someone in the week say that Josh Kelly's going to box like a prime, like a prime Roy Jones Jr. for a few rounds, then gas out and get stopped. And he was boxing like a prime Roy Jones Jr., Um, you know, tongue in cheek, of course. But no, Troy Williamson was second best in all areas. Round four was a bit of a scrappy round. Williamson landed probably the punch of the round on Kelly as he backed off onto the ropes. It was a big right hand, landed right on the button. Kelly didn't react much, but I think 
You could tell he was maybe styling it out a little bit. He did finish well, though, Josh Kelly. And again, for me, clinched the round. Round five was a huge round for Josh Kelly. He hit Williamson with a left hook, followed by a right hook that stiffened the legs, actually, of Williamson. Williamson, um, I felt already, was in was in big trouble on the scorecards, um, giving him every single round, uh, give, given Kelly every single round. Round six, another punch-perfect round for Kelly. His head movement as well was laser-like. Williamson, again, was being walked on to big shots. Um, round seven was pretty much more of the same. Round eight, another Kelly round. At that point, I decided to stop really scoring it. Um, round nine, you know, Kelly was battering uh, Williamson with uppercuts and I felt at that point maybe the towel should be coming in or at least there should be a question in the corner um, of course Williamson would keep coming all night um, but yeah I gave Kelly round 10 11 and 12 as well so an absolute shutout on my card and very very impressive because again we know how good Kelly can be but can he sustain it can he keep it up throughout the entire uh, the, the entire 12 rounds without getting tired without losing a few steps yeah, he can. He's proved it there. And it was, you know, probably the biggest win of his career, I'd say. I mean, Troy Williamson, decent amateur as well. Um, good British champion, we do have to say. Hasn't looked unbeatable all the time. We've seen him dropped before. Um, but yeah, Josh Kelly, I mean, wow. He was unbelievable. And I think it was a glimpse, really, of what he can do. And, you know, Adam Booth, who I've got a lot of trust in, you know, tips Josh Kelly for huge, huge things. So I think, um, you know, credit to Josh Kelly. I think he is a special fighter. And that loss to David Avenesian doesn't sum up his career. Um, all the best to Troy Williams. And like I say, friend of the show, commiserations for him. I have reached out to him. You know, when, when a friend of the show loses a fight, I feel, you know... Um, it's only right for me to reach out to them, you know, just to make sure they're doing okay, because obviously boxing is such a lonely sport, so I did reach out to him, um, just over text, but, um, I think he's doing okay, and, uh, yeah, I think he's a bit kind of still in shock, he really thought he was going to beat Josh Kelly quite easily, the bookies couldn't split him, but, um, Josh Kelly was, was magnificent, um, Eddie, you unmuted a few times, I don't think you would have seen that fight, was it an accident? Uh-uh, I've seen it. I actually watched that. Ah. I watched the whole thing. I, I'm, I'm a part of a, a, a chat on, um, you know, on, on WhatsApp. And, you know, all the guys, you know, they'll put fights in there. And that was one of the fights they put in. Watch it from the beginning to the end. And the funny thing is, I've seen Josh Kelly. I saw him fight David Avenison, too. And I saw how good he was early on. And when I heard about this fight, and I don't really know much about Williamson, but I do know, you know, the kid, he's really talented. He's really good. Fast, sharp, good head movement, good skills all around. Like, like if, if he was like a one punch, like if he had one punch and pow, one punch power, you know, he'd be, he'd be, he might be one of the next up. So, but, um, and I had questions because when I watched the fight with him and David and Evanesi, and I was like, damn, he actually was like, it was going to be easy for him. And then the guy I seen, but I seen how it started to change. And when he started to step up and started to turn shots over on him, and he couldn't, he couldn't sustain it. But in this fight, he proved. And he, and and I don't want to say the style similar from the guy David Avenisian. Obviously, he's a higher level. But this Williamson dude was coming, and he never stopped trying. He showed his medal because he was taking a whooping, honestly, and he was getting hit with shots, big time showy shots that was coming out of nowhere and 
the angles, the like the right uppercuts early was just I was like, man, this dude is nice. Like he got a lot of game with him. And you know, I don't I don't want to say I was, you know, shocked because he was I've seen how good he can be. But to be able to sustain that with that kind of pressure coming at him all the way to 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 the end was impressive. And it shows that he could be a force, you know, uh, uh, as he goes forward, because he really is a talented fighter. That is Josh, Josh Kelly. Yeah, I remember talking to Devin Haney a few years back, and Devin Haney said to me that one of his favorite UK fighters to watch is Josh Kelly. And that was, of course, before Josh Kelly lost his O. And I think after he lost his O, you'd have probably laughed at that statement, or many people would have laughed at that statement. But, you know, it, it, nah. it's, um, yeah, I think you can see no. why. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, honestly, what he said, when, when guys like that know the game are at the highest level and have an eye for it, say stuff like that it's not just because of an exciting thing that they saw or this one thing like Andre Ward used to always say man he's like one of my favorite favorite, favorite fighters to watch talking about me he's so relaxed in there just knows what he's doing and blah 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 and I used to always think man that's kind of cap that's kind of you know I don't think he really thinks that but some of these guys really do because it's not they know the game they know what they can do a lot of times like you like look Devin Amy's you know uh, uh undisputed right now in the 135 division so he knows what he's looking at and he's not saying it just to say oh he's better than me or anything like that it's just that he really enjoys seeing what he brings to the table and i understand completely why he said it even with that loss it still doesn't really change my mind about him i still thought he was an extremely talented fighter and then when i seen he was fighting this guy i was like damn let me take a look at this to see what happened i don't i didn't know what happened the fight had already happened but i didn't know what happened and it kind of went the way that I would have expected it, but I just didn't know if he could sustain it for the whole fight. Because like I said, this guy was not backing off. But he showed that he is real quality. And you should be watching out for him. The one thing I will say is he better keep his gas tank high because any anybody that steps in the ring with him is always going to look for that. And they're always going to try to push him to that to that point, to the brink of exhaustion if he, if they can. So he's going to have to pay attention to that. But but he's, he's a fantastic boxer. I love watching him. There we go. High praise from Eddie there. Moving out now to the Paradise City Plaza in South Korea over here. Two fights to mention. Johnny Gonzalez, the the uh, yeah former world champion legend, um, wanted to get win number 70, but actually he lost a majority decision over 10 rounds. I think it was quite uh, controversial, if I'm not mistaken. He's now 69-12 and 12 with a draw. He lost, like I say, by majority decision over 10 rounds to Takuya Watanabe, who is now 39 and 11 with a draw. Also on the card, John Real Casimero, 31 and 4. Don't think he's promoted by Manny Pacquiao anymore. Um, I think he was before. Um, he actually got dropped in round two, and then he punched his opponent, Ryo Akaho, in the back of the head, and Akaho couldn't continue, so it ended up. Um, you know, being called right there in, in round two. It went down in the end as a no contest. Um, so, yeah, the records stay the same. Um, yeah, no contest round two. John Real Casimero, Ryo Akaho. Uh, that's it from South Korea. Moving out now to the Tottenham Hotspur uh, Stadium in London. I was at this card, of course. Let's start with the undercard. Um, wins for Josea Burton on points over six against Daryl Sharp. Late addition to the card, Daryl Sharp. Now, uh, six and ninety-seven with a draw. Jose Burton now twenty-seven. Oh, sorry, twenty-eight and three. 
Isaac Lowe with a points win against Sandeep Barty, who is 8-5. Isaac Lowe now 22-2 with three draws. Carol Itauma now 9-0, a knockout for him in the eighth and final round against Vladimir Belutsky, who's now 12-6 with a draw. Belutsky down in round seven. Royston Barney-Smith as well, now 4-0. A TKO for him in the first round against Cruz Perez, who's now 3-4. Yvonne Mendy... Um, Quite a big underdog, especially to win on points. I felt the fight was always going to go to distance, and he could perhaps win on points. Um, but yeah, I mean, the main kind of pick for me was that the fight was going to go to distance. Baranchik, or Berenchik, I should say, was the favourite. But Yvonne Mendy, I think it was quite close in the end. But um, yeah, Yvonne Mendy lost anyway. He's now 47-6 and six with a draw. It was for the EBU and the WBO. Oh, sorry, the EBU European and WBO international lightweight titles. Berenchik, the new champion, now 17-0. and um, Yeah, Daniel Dubois, now 19-1. and A TKO for him in round three against Kevin Lorena, now 28-2. and It was for the WBA regular world heavyweight title. Daniel Dubois down three times in the first round. And Lorena down twice prior to the stoppage. Let's get into it. An absolute crazy fight. Um, I was just saying to people around me, just as the fight was starting, I was saying, do not blink. This could be over quick. This could be a one-round job. This could be a two-round job. I'd bet on Dubois to win by knockout within four rounds and within six rounds. Um, I was in utter disbelief when Dubois was down three times in that first round. But let's start with the first punch that put him down. I think he got caught. And remember, I've only been at the stadium and seen this in person. I haven't actually watched any TV replays or anything. So going off of what I could see, which is probably very underinformed, but it is what it is. Um, I think he got caught with a punch right in the middle of his forehead. That's how it looked to me. And it didn't look like much of a shot. But his legs were gone. I mean, I don't know if it put him on his back foot and maybe he'd hurt his ankle or something at that point. I believe there was some kind of leg injury. I felt that straight away. Um, but yeah, this punch in the middle of his forehead, you know, it ends with his legs being completely gone. He goes down. Obviously, Lorena ran in to try and land another punch, but he went down, didn't take another clean shot. He was all over the place. Um, obviously, gets back up. Goes down again twice. His legs, again, for me, didn't look right. I don't know what it was. He didn't look like he was hurt upstairs so much. I don't know if the equilibrium had gone. Something was not right, though. He barely made it through that first round. Um, he went back to the corner. I have been told that he was saying to his corner, what has happened? What what just happened? As if he was concussed. I know that Carl Frampton has come out and bashed the corner having a go at Shane McGuigan, his own former trainer. Obviously, there was a bitter split between the pair, and it all went to court, and it's all very legal and stuff. Um, so there's there's bad blood there anyway. But Carl Frampton was saying he didn't feel that Shane McGuigan was looking out for the interest of the fighter there. The fighter's saying what's just happened. He's acting concussed. Um, but yeah, the round after that, the, the second round, Dubois was on the back foot. Like, almost exclusively on the back foot, which you never see him do, ever. And he was jabbing. He wasn't pressing. He was exclusively throwing arm punches. And that is, again, what, for me, solidified the fact that he's not punching through his feet. Something's wrong. It must be something with his leg. must be something with his foot. I think it ended up being something with his ankle. Um, but, yeah, like, 
he almost seemed like he was in survival mode. Um, Lorena, I felt, was clearly within touching distance of picking up a, a version of a world title. Um, Dubois did land in that third and final round a straight right hand. Um, it, 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 again, didn't look like a massive shot, but I'm used to Dubois touching people with shots that don't look massive and them going down. So Lorena goes down, he gets back up. Dubois, of course, jumps on him with everything he has. And, and, and obviously, he, ha he had to. And Lorena goes down again. Now, the bell goes at this point. As far as I'm aware, the bell goes, or at least the 10-second clapper had already gone when Lorena goes down. So when he gets back up, all he has to do is walk back to his corner, and he's going to get a minute between rounds to recover. The referee waves it off. I felt it was a little bit of a dodgy stoppage. I think he would have, of course, made it through that round and gone back to his corner and not had to take another punch. But Howard Foster stopped it knowing... Uh, probably that he would have made it through that round. And he was getting pummeled on the ropes, you know, but the bell had gone. Um, the referee, I think, saved Dubois a little bit. And I felt that I needed to find out what had happened with Dubois because as soon as they announced him as the winner, or as soon as the referee stopped it, I should say, straight away he went and, went and sat on his stool. And obviously something was wrong. And like I say, I think it was his ankle from what I'm hearing. But what a crazy fight and completely unexpected. Um, moving up to the main event. I'm going to run through it, Eddie, then I'll come to you. Um, round one, Fury Chisora. Fury, of course, now 33-0 with a draw. A defense of his WBC heavyweight world title against former foe uh, Derek Chisora. Now 33-13. and Round one was a feel-out round. Um, so much, of course, for the meet in the middle. As soon as the uh, you know, as soon as the first bell goes, we're going to meet in the middle. Obviously, you know, as a boxing fan, I've been taught many times to never um, fall for things like that. Never take what a fighter says in terms of his boxing instructions at face value, um, or take it at face value. Whatever the saying is, um, Fury won the round. Chisora was trying to rough him up. Um, it was the it was, the f I think, the first round that you would have predicted. It, you know, if, if it was a scripted first round, if you wrote a script for how the first round's meant to go, it would have gone exactly the way it did. Um, round two, Fury started to toy with Chisora. He was walking him onto uppercuts. He was landing the one-two almost at will. Uh, Chisora was, was really quite poor, actually, in the second round. Fury, I felt, could probably end it whenever he chose to. It was an easy round. Um, sometimes, and I thought this at the time, but I didn't say anything. Then I listened to another podcast, and they said exactly what I was thinking. And I don't know if you saw this, Eddie. I'm going to come to you, obviously, in a minute. But it seemed like sometimes um, Fury was, like, keeping Chisora on his feet. Like, he hit him with a good shot, then, like, kept him up, kept him up strong. Um, I thought that was a bit weird. Um, again, it wasn't just me that felt like that, and that's why I'm actually saying it, because it sounds silly. But, um... It looked like that. Round three, again, it was all fury. He was he was starting to batter Chisora. Um, I think there was a moment in that round where they both kind of tumbled to the floor. Um, I actually thought that there was a decent punch landed by Fury before they both fell to the floor. And I think, it, it, you know, it was a punch that would have put him down, actually. So I thought there was a call, really, that that could be a knockdown. But they didn't show a replay in the arena. I didn't get to watch it back, like I say. But three... Rounds to nothing there for Fury. Um, round four, again, all Fury. Negating Chisora's work on the inside. Clinching, grabbing hard whenever he wanted to. Wasn't letting um, 
Chisora have any success, um, obviously, up close. Um, it wasn't making for an exciting fight, but it was effective, and obviously it was completely nullifying what Chisora had in mind. Um, did look like a sparring session. Chisora was completely unable to gain any momentum. Round five, obviously Fury came out in Southport at that point. It was totally one-sided. Uh, the mismatch that we all felt it would be, I'm thinking, through the first five rounds. Round six, another round for Fury again. I felt he could end it at any point if he wanted to step on the gas. He spent most of the round in Southpaw again. Uh, round seven, probably Fury's most damaging round at that point for him. Um, you could see Chisora's feet start to slow. He was getting countered repeatedly. Chisora's right eye was beginning to swell up. It was total dominance from Fury. He was hurting uh, Chisora as well as the bell had gone. He started seeming like he was going to put you know, power behind these shots now, put a bit of weight behind them. Um, more weight than he had done in, prior, in, in previous rounds. Round eight... Um, at that point, I thought if I was a corner man for Chisora, I'd probably call it a, call it a day, really. He was waiting to get knocked out. Um, Fury bludgeoned him in that eighth round. And, you know, I know it's, I know it's, I know it's just Chisora, but Fury did look very good in that in that eighth round. So clever. You know, I liked as well, Eddie, and it's probably something you're going to pick up on as well. But whenever they'd get in a clinch, um, Fury would get his head to Chisora's left. You know, just because he didn't want to put his head on the right side, because Chisora is quite good at getting a nice, big, meaty right hook to the temple in, even even though your head's on his shoulder, he's good at getting them in. So every single time he'd go to the left, where I don't think Chisora could do that. Um, but yeah, you know, Fury was very clever. Obviously, again, we see the foot feints that heavyweights just don't do. You're not supposed to use a foot feint if you're a heavyweight, but he does. He's so clever. He hurt Chisora badly as well in the last five seconds of that eighth round. Chisora's lip as well was busted. I felt he was ready to go round nine was more of the same again the corner were having a good look at that uh, 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 perhaps stopping it in round nine and then round 10 um, it didn't look like a stoppage a legitimate stoppage was coming um, you know in terms of putting him down or putting him out but Victor Lachlan showed mercy on Chisora and stopped it in the end and I was happy to see the stoppage some people were very uncomfortable watching the fight saying it was just so one-sided such a beating but all in all a very easy win for Tyson Fury, and it's exactly what we expected, Eddie, but I'm looking forward to seeing what you saw from it. Yeah, yeah. I, <laughs> I hate to say that it looked as, as exactly as I would have predicted it to look with, um, and I think, you know, when, when you said in those rounds, you, you see it seemed like he was kind of like holding them up and, and just trying to keep them in there and everything. I think, honestly, and, and like you said, it looked like he, you know, you would he would start to pick up the punches and you know, try to get him out of there, try to, you know, you know, be a little more forceful with, with the offense to to try to get a stoppage, try to get him out of there, try to hurt him, you know what I mean, essentially. And it just really never looked that way to me. Like you said, also, it looked like a sparring session. Like he was just kind of taking it easy in there. And, you know, him and Chazor obviously have, a, 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 I think, a, a decent relationship. And, and, you know, and he's probably like, and I, I don't want to say this, and I don't want to raise this suspicion of all of these things, because you know, obviously, I like Tyson. I'm a supporter. You know, that's my that's my guy, and I don't want to make these things seem like they're not what they're supposed to be. I do believe this was a fight. I do believe it was also a situation where he can give the his man a bone. There's no, and there's nothing wrong with that within the sport of boxing, because to be quite honest, not a lot of people are going to look out for fighters when their career's over if they don't have anything. 
You know what I'm saying? If you're if you're struggling after your career's over, who's going to do it for you? Why not another fighter? And then what he's doing is he's what I and I commend him for doing. And I look at Tyson and I say that's a good thing to do to somebody or for somebody. And it's, even though it was a hell of a way to get an easy buck, it was it was a painful situation that he went through. But at the at the end of the day, hey, this is all he knows. This is his opportunity to get a, a good payday and possibly retire after, not having to do anything for the rest of his life, hopefully. You know what I mean? If anything, to maybe invest some of his money and, 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 and like I said, live a good life with his family after. You know what I mean? And I think the fight itself was a formality. We knew it was going to happen within the fight. You know what I mean? I don't think anybody was in there saying, oh, Tizor can come out of nowhere and land a big shot. Yeah, theoretically that can happen, but nine times out of ten, it, you know, it, nine to- no, ten times out of ten it's not. So um idea of 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 this fight being something that people were looking forward to seeing was just to see how Tyson would look and to see what condition he would be in and how he would take care of uh, business and whether he would look good in doing it. And you know, he has the ability. He's a big guy, he's a big strong guy, big talented dude. He can do pretty much whatever he wants in there with most fighters. So when you have an opportunity to fight a guy who's honestly passed it and not able to perform as you he would need to to win a fight with Tyson is kind of up to Tyson to really look at how he's going to look in this fight and to maybe say okay well you know how do we see him matching up with Usyk because that's what a lot of people probably was thinking more so than actually looking at him fighting Chisora and seeing seeing whether the fight was he was going to win the fight or not we knew he was going to win the fight you understand what I'm saying so at the end of the day Obviously, a good performance. I think there was things that he did, but I think it was all based on the opponent in front of him. Um, and uh, I'm not going to say that, you know, every part of it was excellent. You know what I mean? There were some times he could have done some other things or there were some times during the fight that he probably should have picked it up, but I understand why he did. And at the end of the day, like I said, it's a good thing that it's a good thing that he did with Chisora and, and, and having the fight and then having and then also doing it for the fans and, and, and you know, over there in the UK. So, I'm just happy, you know, the event was nice, you know what I mean, from from what I could see. Uh, and, uh, you know, Chisora gets something out of it, even though he took a beating for it. But, hey, this is the hurt business. You know, it's not a tickle contest. So, you know, you're going to get paid. You're going to get you're going to get paid handsomely. You're going to take a beating for it. And sometimes that's the case. So, you know, good overall performance. Um, but obviously, you know, you want to see him in, a, in another fight, you know, in a, in a much more exciting, tougher fight, preferably with somebody who has a belt. And, uh, you know, so so we'll see what happens in the future here with uh, with Tyson. Yeah, and you touched on it there. You said that Tyson maybe threw his friend a bone, giving him the shot, giving him the payday. It's nothing new in boxing. It brings me on to two others that spring to my mind. I remember when um, I had Lehman Brewster on the podcast. I remember him, uh, you know, putting his world title on the line against a friend of his. I think it was um, Callie Meehan. Uh, I think they were, they yep. were really good friends. And I remember Lehman saying to me that when I got to the fight hotel, he said, uh, Callie's kids run over to me at the fight hotel. They're going, Uncle Lehman, Uncle Lehman, and all this stuff. He said it really <laughs> got in my mind. And of course, he almost lost to him, ended up winning a split decision, almost lost his title. Mm-hmm. And another one is when um, Roy Jones Jr. told me that he gave um, Mike McCallum a payday. He said, you know, he was at the mm. end of his career. I used to look up to him. I got him in the ring with me, you know, to help him out with, with some big money. And um, he said, yeah, you know, we were going at it. I purposely didn't want to knock him out. 
I didn't knock him out, mm. but there was a moment where he thought he did something nice. I really wish I could do a Roy Jones impression because the way he delivers a sentence is just unbelievable. <laughs> but he goes, he thought he did something nice and I put him on the floor just to let him remember that I can put him there whenever I want to put him there. And um, <laughs> that was it. He let him get up and he didn't put the beating on him and he, you know, he went 12 rounds with him and didn't stop him yeah. out of choice. Imagine being that much of a bad mofo. That is what Roy yeah. Jones said, and I believe every word of it. <laughs> facts, that's facts. And you know what? And just to add to that, one thing is like fighters. Fighters, it's it's up to us to do it because to be honest, nobody really gives a shit about us. You know, no, no, no disrespect, and I don't want to say too many bad words on this thing, but we're just whores, essentially, to a lot of these people who are in control, straight up, and that's a fact. And you know, if one whore won't do it, another one will, and that's just the way they look at it. So. In order to, to to take care of each other, we got to take care of each other. It, it, they're not going to do it. We have to do it. And a fighter's way of doing it is what these guys did for their for their friends. And that's what it's supposed to be. Well, there we go. And that brings me on to the final card to mention. And I feel like I've really let the listeners down because I'm going to be honest. I didn't see it. And the reason I didn't see it is because I drove home from... Um, from obviously the Fury card, um, loaded the zone onto my iPad and then fell asleep during the ring walk for the main event. And once I found out the result, I couldn't really be bothered to go and watch it over again. So how terrible. Um, I'm guessing you didn't see the Chocolatito card, Eddie, did you? Nah, 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 I okay. missed that. Okay, that's uh, fine. That. It's just a good job that no one pays for this podcast because we would have uh, been getting refund requests. But thankfully, they don't give us anything, so we're not going to give them anything <laughs> on this on this uh, on this card in particular. But um, I'm going to run through the results on the undercard. Mark Castro, I said it on last week's show, the boxer with the best teeth in boxing. Now nine and zero, a unanimous decision over eight rounds there against Michael Villagrana. Now sixteen and four. I expected Castro. To to get him out, but he didn't. Um, I think this one was a late addition to the card, but Austin Ammo Williams, 12-0, got in with Simon Madsen, who was 13-0, ended up going the distance over 10, and it was a unanimous decision win for Austin Ammo Williams, now 13-0, takes away Madsen's O. Diego Pacheco with another knockout win, now 17-0, it took him only two rounds to dispatch of Ricardo Luna, now 24-9 with two draws, it was for the WBC United States super middleweight title. Um, elsewhere on the card, the undefeated Joselito Velasquez now 15 and 1 with a draw. He was upset in the end with the bookies over 10 rounds. He lost unanimously to Christopher Rosales, former WBC flyweight world champion, now 35 and 6. Just a reminder there that Rosales is not food. He's not. Um, you know, he's not he's not just there for the taking, and he was able to spring an upset there. Um, obviously, Velasquez was stepping up in levels, a hell of a you know hell of a jump. And um, Rosales, just a little reminder there: don't don't run too quickly, or don't um, what do they say? Run before you can walk. Um, moving up the card once again, Julio Cesar Martinez now nineteen and two, a majority decision over twelve rounds. He retains his WBC flyweight world title against, I think he was from Spain, Samuel Carmona now eight and one. He loses his O. Uh, Martinez just doesn't seem like he's the same fighter he was a few years ago. Doesn't seem like he's just walking through people anymore. Um, he was like a miniature version of Jaime Munguia, but he doesn't seem the same. 
And the main event, Juan Francisco Estrada, now 44-3. and He was able to beat Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez, which means in the trilogy now it's 2-1 to Estrada. Gonzalez now 51-4, and another really close one by all accounts, a majority decision over 12 there for Estrada, and of course he wins now the vacant, um, well it's not vacant, it was vacant, but he's now the champion, the WBC World Superflyweight title, belongs to Estrada, like I say, would have liked to see Chocolatito do it, I'm not quite sure why, because uh, Estrada hasn't necessarily done anything wrong, but um, yeah, what great fights they've delivered over the years, and I don't know. Will we see a fourth? I think um, if we do, I promise to not to not fall asleep on the ring walks of that. But yeah, that brings the review part of the show to a close. The final thing for me to do is to welcome this week's special guest. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the English super welterweight champion. It is, of course, Mr. Sam Gilly. Sam, welcome back on the show, my man. Thank you for having me back, mate. How are you? Always good when speaking with you, Sam. That's the truth. So we last spoke back in March. Um, you were getting ready to fight Drew Brown at the time. We haven't spoke since then. Um, yeah, give me a sentence or two on that fight if you don't mind. Obviously, you took his O and you stopped him in the ninth. Hard work. Um, hard, hard work. But, um, yeah, credit to Drew, Drew mate. He was, um, he was a much, much tougher test than I thought he was going to be. But, I mean, it was one of the fights of the year. So, um yeah, it was just, we just had to grind one out that night. And then, of course, you returned to the ring just a couple of weeks back, coming off seven months out. You returned with a win over Sean Robinson. Um, the boxing insiders felt it was a 50-50 fight going in. You did definitely get the better of the action, though. You had him down, of course, in round six. You tried to finish him off, but you ended up winning unanimously. Um, walk me through it, Sam. A nice way to end the year on a high. Yeah, I mean, after the Drew Brown fight... Um... We was we was hoping that obviously we'd get with um get on a TV platform, so that was the, that was the delay. That was why the fight I haven't fought again until the end of the year. We've been waiting for the opportunity to fight on Sky. Um, finally, that opportunity come up, and um, Sean was a perfect opponent. And because he's only been beat once, people were saying it was a fifty-fifty, but there was no way that was a fifty-fifty. That was just a nice little breakout fight for me. Um, but he, listen, he, he managed to get through the ten rounds, which was good because it gave me. It gave me um, gave me some rounds to finish the year with, but um, but yeah, it was just a nice. I didn't really get out of I didn't really get out of second, third gear really. When I put him down, he, he weren't really going to go anywhere. Every time I hit him up when he was hurt, he was still still solid. His legs weren't buckling too much, so and I didn't want to bomb in and um, and look messy like I did in the Drew Brown fight. So I just, everyone was shouting at me in the corner, stay disciplined. So I stuck to my boxing and um, and basically won every round. And if you're a football fan, you'll know that there was talk of um, the phrase was going around, Ollie's at the will. But it had a whole new meaning the other night. This time <laughs> at the Ali Pali, we got Ollie Murs obviously ringside cheering, cheering you on. How cool was that? Yeah, I mean, said Ollie's a good lad. He's, um, he's actually one of my clients at the gym. Love so um, he, come, he comes in once a week, does a bit of boxing. He only lives around the corner. So, yeah, he, um, he comes in once a week, does a bit of boxing. He loves it, mate. He's, uh, he's a great lad. Like, some, like when he's in the gym and he's, Around the boys, you like you just you don't even know he's fam- like you don't. I know it sounds ridiculous, but you don't know, realize he's famous. Like he's just one of the boys. He gets on with the banter, and yeah, he's a, he's a great character to have around the gym. And it's nice to have him there on a on fight night. Yeah, he seems that kind of guy. Um, but yeah, Ali Palioli, what a name. Um, yeah. <clears throat> 
What do you want your your immediate next move to be? Obviously, you've won the English, Sam. You've defended it twice now. What do you want your next move to be, ideally? Um, well, what, well, obviously, I, I, I'd love to stay with Sky. I'd love to get a um, a multi-fight deal with them because, I mean, the amount of fights I've had in a small show coming up, I've finally managed to break through and get my foot in the door. Now I want to stay there. So um, that would be the main thing. And, um, and obviously, that British title will be looming about as well. So obviously, Josh has only just fought, uh, Josh has only just won it in a in an amazing performance. So we just have to wait and see what what comes our way, really. But um, <clears throat> but yeah, the main thing for me would be staying with Sky. And you, you just touched on it there. Obviously, that Josh Kelly fight against Troy Williamson. A lot of people felt that Kelly would, you know, do what he does, start for the first few rounds looking excellent and then perhaps fade. A lot of people fancied Troy even for a late stoppage. But credit to Kelly, he was obviously able to stay disciplined and box to a brilliant game plan for the entirety of the fight. Um, how impressed were you? Oh, I mean, I, do you know what? I believe that's the that was the Josh Kelly everyone's been expecting to see since he turned pro, that was um, yeah, like that was mate. You can't fault him at all. He was he was he was slick. He was fast. He was clever, and he done it for twelve rounds without changing. Like he didn't look like he dipped in energy at all. He um, yeah, mate. It was a really really solid performance for him. So yeah, it's good. Yeah, spiteful as well. And I want to touch on this as well, Sam. Obviously, your sole loss, that loss uh, almost two years ago now to Danny Ball. Um, where it was such a close fight, Sam, does it eat at you in any way? Does the rematch need to happen for you, or are you able to just shut it out and move on like it never happened? Yeah, do you know, I've, do you know what? I've never thought about it as like since, really, because I moved up away. It was, it was probably it was time for me to move up because of how I felt during the fight. And um, yeah, moved up, won the English, and now I've got myself on square. So, but if, listen, like I say, if the, if the opportunity came my way, of course there's something you'd want to wipe off your record so you can say you beat everyone you've been in the ring with. So, but um, but listen, Danny's a great lad. I speak to him quite a lot. He's um, he's still down at welterweight. He's doing his thing. So I think he's got an English title shot down at welterweight. So we just have to wait and um, yeah, we we'll just have to wait and see what comes our way, really. But if that ever come up in the future, of course I'll jump it. Yeah, of course. And I wanted to ask as well, did you tune into the um, the Fury Chisora free fight on the weekend? If so, thoughts on that? I did, I did, I did. Um but I mean I mean it was it was a sparring match really, weren't it, for Fury? But um and it was a payday for Del Boy. But um I mean some of the corner work was uh was horrendous. But like Chisora's gonna stay in there all he all he can like as much as he can. But um I believe the corner should have had him out there a little bit earlier because he didn't. Didn't he? I mean, it's for three fights now. He's not touched Fury, so he's not going to. He's and I don't think he'd ever be out to. So there was no point of him being in there after about six rounds. But he's earned his money, and Fury's took another step closer to the unification, and he. So everyone's a winner, really. Yeah, I guess. And uh, my final real question. This is a thing I. I do here. It's like a ritual in December. Everyone I interview throughout the month of December, I like to ask them, what's on their Christmas wish list in terms of their boxing career, realistically speaking? So I'm going to put it to you. Um, what would you have on your Christmas wish list in terms of your career in a realistic world, Sam? What do you want 2023 to bring you? Um, well, a deal with Sky and a British title. There we go. 
simple. <laughs> Keeping it simple, okay. <laughs> yeah. Deal with Sky and the That'll British title. Me. There we go. And just finally, Sam, before we wrap it up, if you've got any closing words to the listeners, if there's anyone you want to thank at all, the floor's yours, man. Say whatever you like before we let you go. No, yeah, of course. Thank you. Thanks to you for having me on again. Um, Rob Julian, as always, guides my career and gets me in the best shape possible. All my sponsors. Um, Greg Marriott, my nutritionist. Um, I wouldn't be able to do the weight without him. So, um, so yeah, just thank you to my team and thank you to everyone that supports me along the way. Well said, yeah. Shout out Rod as well, as you say. And listen, Sam, as always, it's always a pleasure having you on. Thanks for your time. I'm wishing you a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year and we'll speak again in 2023. Cheers, mate. Merry Christmas to you too. Okay, now it's time for part two on this week's show. This part, of course, the news part of the show. We're going to start with this one. The undercard for Javante Tank Davis against uh, Hector Luis Garcia has been announced. And yeah, there's a few fights on there that um, are getting backlash, really. And I can understand why. I'm going to run through the ones that have been announced so far. Obviously, it's not long to wait. It's only January the 7th. Um, which I think will be the first card of the year, like in terms of big cards. But anyway, we're going to see Rashidi Ellis, uh, 24-0, getting in with Roman Villa, who is 25-1. I don't think there's much complaints with that. Um, we're going to see Jerron Ennis, 29-0, getting in with Karen Chukhadzian, who's 21-1 from the Ukraine, uh, 26 years of age. Um, uh, boy, oh boy. Got knocked out by... Ryan Martin, and that's not Ryan Blue Chip Martin. That's the, uh, the 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 Ryan Martin of the UK, actually. Wow. Um, whew. Yeah, it's a it's another it's another step down for Jaron Ennis, unfortunately. So I'm not too pleased about that. Um, okay, and this is a really bad one, I think, as well. Demetrius Andrade, 31 and 0, gets in with Demond Nicholson. 26 and 4 with a draw. Um, I, I guess the best thing Damon Nicholson has done in recent years was um, put an end to Edgar Belanga's first round knockout streak. In fact, since he fought Edgar Belanga, Belanga hasn't knocked anyone out, but he was the guy that put an end to that streak. And um, I guess I don't know. Maybe that's a bit impressive or something. I'm not sure. But to get you know to get a, a shot against Demetrius Andrade just seems crazy. I know Andre doesn't hold a belt anymore, but yeah, I, I, it's, a, it's a terrible fight if I'm being completely honest. I'm not a fan of this card at all, but that is the news. Um, what else do we have? We also have the fact that the WBA bantamweight world champion, uh, the female WBA bantamweight world champion, Nina Hughes, the lady that just beat Jamie Mitchell, she has signed a promotional contract, a long-term promotional contract with Matram. So um, we're going to see her on Eddie Hearn shows. Perhaps a unification could be uh, something that hopefully happens down the line. But moving on to the preview part, just those two pieces of news to mention. Moving on to the preview part, we're going to start here tomorrow, Friday uh, December 9th at the Hidalgo, um, I think this is just a place actually, Hidalgo, Texas, I don't know where the venue is, but friend of the show, former world champion Austin No Doubt Trout, 35-5 and five with a draw, in an eight-rounder here against Jose Charles, who's 20-2 and two with a draw, like I said, that's over eight rounds there at Super Welter, um, moving to the SSE Arena, the Odyssey in Belfast, Northern Ireland, I'm not sure what TV channel this is going to be on, if any, but um, 
Let's run through this card. We've got Padraig McCrory, 15-0, in an eight-rounder, no opponent just yet. Lewis Crocker, 14-0, no opponent just yet, supposed to be over eight rounds. We've got Sean McComb, 14-1, getting in with Zolt Ozadan, who's 23-0 with a draw, that one for the vacant WBO European Super Lightweight title. We've got Liam Taylor, 25-2 with a draw, um... Defending his WBO European welterweight title against Tyrone McKenna, 23-3 and with a draw. Uh, that's over 10. And then the main event, Michael Conlon, 17-1, and getting in with Karim Guerfi, former European champion, 31-6. and Could be an interesting fight. You never kind of know what you're going to get with Guerfi. Um, I say you never know what you're going to get. He was quite consistent. He has been quite consistent. But when he got stopped by Lee McGregor, um, you know... I guess that's the only bad, bad loss he's took in recent times. Obviously, he was beating the hell out of Jordan Gill till he got knocked out in spectacular fashion. But um, yeah, against against Michael Conlon, it's kind of it's it's yeah, it's a good fight really for Michael Conlon. I don't think there's much complaint with it. Obviously, I think this would be Conlon's first fight after getting uh, knocked out by Lee Wood. It's a good comeback fight. He's not really dropped down um, a level or anything. I think it's a good fight, good solid fight. Um, moving out now to the first direct arena in Leeds, Yorkshire, United Kingdom. This one's going to be on the zone, of course. On this card, we have Shannon Courtney, former world champion, seven and two, getting in with Gemma Roog, who's a very tough lady, five and five. Um, that'd be yeah. I think Shannon Courtney to win that one on points. I'd like to see the money on that. Actually, probably going to be terrible returns. Uh, Hopi Price eight and zero, getting in with Jonathan Santana, who's nine and three with a draw. We've we also have Felix Cash fifteen and zero, getting in with Celso Neves, who's nine and two with two draws. That's over eight rounds there. Uh, we've got James Metcalf. 23-2, fighting for the WBA Continental Super Welterweight title against Courtney Pennington, who's 16-5 with three draws. Uh, we've got Ebony Bridges, 8-1, defending her IBF World Bantamweight title over 10 two-minute rounds against Shannon O'Connell. Shannon O'Connell of Australia. So there's a, there's a, there's a lot of beef there. I think it's a genuine grudge match. Uh, Shannon O'Connell, 23-6 and six with a draw. I'd like to see her win, to be totally honest. Um, yep. Uh, and the main event, Josh Warrington, 31-1 and one with a draw. It is a defense of his IBF featherweight world title. He gets in there with Luis Alberto Lopez, who's 26-2. and two. Um, I have not seen much of this guy, Lopez, to be honest with you. I'm hoping it's not another guy that's being flown in who we know nothing about and who could be a potential banana skin. Um, I don't know how much of a banger he is. Um, I've seen his face before, actually, now I talk about it. Oh, he's been... Oh, yeah, he's the guy that knocked out Isaac Lowe at York Hall. Okay, okay, okay. Okay, decent fight. I've been in there beating Andy Vences. Okay, I'd say that, um... Josh Warrington will have his work cut out here. This could be a good one there on the zone. Really, really good fight. Now I'm I'm going to actually say there could be an upset on the cards. I think. Still don't know what Josh Warrington's got left. Um, you know, looked good against Kiko Martinez, but Kiko Martinez, uh, you know, got got uh, I think a broken jaw or a broken nose very early on in that fight. Moving out now to this one. It takes place at the. CHI Health Center in Omaha, Nebraska. Uh, we're going to see just one fight really worth mentioning. The main event, Terence Crawford, 38-0, defending his WBO welterweight world title against David Avenesian, 29-3 with a draw. 
David Avenesian in the form of his life. Um, you could say the same really for Terence Crawford. Um, obviously, I'd love to see Avenesian win. He's a friend of the show. Um, I'm friends with his manager, Neil Marsh, who's done a brilliant job with David Avenesian. Um, obviously, Neil Marsh as well, the manager of Zach Parker. So they're not going through the best of times at the moment. But I'd love to see uh, David Avenesian, David Avenesian, somehow upset the odds but I'm under no illusion and I don't think he's got a big chance whatsoever I really think that this is Terence Crawford's fight to lose I think perhaps even uh, David Evanesian could be tailor-made really for Terence Crawford I think Terence Crawford being a master boxer can just outbox him and then perhaps even stop him late on but I'd love to see da uh, David Evan I don't know why I always go to say David Evanesian for some reason instead of David Evanesian I'm not sure what's wrong with me uh, when I come when when it comes to pronouncing his name, <laughs> that was terrible. I said I, I needed a pause moment. There. I said I'm not sure what's wrong with me when I come, <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> I'm not sure what's wrong with me when it comes to pronouncing his name. Pause. Um, <laughs> <Awesome. laughs> um, David Avenesian. I'd love to see him go the distance at least. Um, if he if he can't win, I'd love to see him just go the distance and there be a moral victory in there because Terence Crawford has knocked out everyone since moving up to 147, an incredible statistic, especially when you consider he's been in there with, with uh, Sean Porter. But yeah, I can't really see any other outcome apart, for, apart from a Terence Crawford win there. Um, yeah, so that's, that's it for that one. I'm going to move on. Um, yeah, this one here takes place at the Madison Square Garden in New York, USA. It's going to be live on ESPN. I'm going to run through the undercard. There's one fight on this card that I think is potentially fight of the weekend. I'm going to come to it. You will probably like it, Eddie, actually. Uh, we're going to see Xander Zayas, 14-0. Um, he gets in with Alexis Flores, who's 25-4. and four. That's over eight rounds. We've got Keyshawn Davis, 6-0, and in an eight-rounder against Juan Carlos Borgos, who's 35-6 who's, um, and six with three draws. This is the fight I really like. The real big baby, Jared Anderson, 12-0, getting in with Jerry Forrest, 26-5 with two draws, coming off that loss, of course, to Kubrat Pulev. But the fight before that gave Michael Hunter a hell of a lot to think about in their draw. And this is a big step up, really, for Jared Anderson, who, I tell you what, if he if he knocks out Jerry Forrest early, that would be a big statement for me. I really like that fight there. I'm sure you do too, Eddie. And the main event, of course, for the WBO International Super Lightweight title, Tiafimo Lopez, 17-1, and a 10-rounder here against Sandor Martin, 40-2, I think, fighting for the first time since beating Mikey Garcia. And that was a huge shock. Um, Tiafimo Lopez, like I say, his second fight at one, uh, um, yeah, one forty. Um, it's going to be a tough one. It's going to be a really tough one. You know, I think there's no way in the world Tiafimo is going to go in there and bang him out early. No way. I think it goes the distance. I think Sandor Martin could potentially win this on points. I was so impressed with his performance against Mikey Garcia. I think Tiafimo Lopez, you know, even though. Um, he lost to George Cambosos and he come back, moved up a weight. You know, he, he claimed there was a lot of health problems with himself. And he, he come back up a weight, like I say, and got the knockout against, uh, I can't remember the guy's name now, who he boxed. He looked good in that fight. It was good to see him back. But it didn't look like that same old destruction machine that he once was. And for me, something is not quite the same with him. 
And I think Sandor Martin will be completely unfazed. He's come to America. He's upset the odds in the past. He's done it to Mikey Garcia, of all people. Such an established, excellent fighter, albeit, I guess, at the end of his career. He retired afterwards. Teofimo Lopez, though, has had his, had his um, you know, um, his, his time in the spotlight, his, 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 his minutes of fame. He's been a world champion. He lost the title. He's back at an arena that he lost it in. And I, I have to say, I think there's a lot going for Sandor Martin here. Um, I'm going to look at the odds. I'm really going to, I'm not going to look at them now, but I'm going to look at the odds, I tell you, because I think that is, is, is a really, really good fight. And I could see it going either way. Um, I don't think there's a knockout in that fight. I don't think there's a knockout in that fight. So I think there could be some money to be made with the bookies this weekend, because I'm guessing they're, they're probably going to expect Tiafimo to, to stop him. And then we're going to end the preview part with the final card to mention. It takes place at the Carib Royale in Orlando, Florida, over here. He's 47 years of age. Sergio Martinez in what will be his 61st pro fight. He's 55 and 3 with two draws. Um, he's in an eight-rounder here at middleweight against Noah Kidd, who is 6-6 six and six with two draws. If he can do it at 47, Eddie, then you have no excuse. And his knees or legs, or whatever they are, are absolutely in pieces. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I think if he's able to do it, like you said, with his knees the way they are, even though I got my own problems, <laughs> yeah, I should. I, I think I shouldn't have too much problems getting in there and, and slugging it out with some guys a few more times. So, no, I mean, you know, it, it's good to see a fellow old man getting in there and still, still slinging them punches, so... Yeah, I'm looking for looking forward to seeing. Uh, actually, I want to kind of hear at least hear uh, how he's done. You know what I mean, and how he's been doing. So, you know, and then maybe I can have my own story to tell. <laughs> there we go. There we go. But yeah, that wraps up the preview part of the show. In part one, we did the review part. We welcomed our special guest, the current super welterweight English champion, Sam Gilly. In part two, we did the news part. We've just finished the preview part. The final thing for me to do is to come in with the outro, which I'll do in just a few seconds. Okay, and this wraps up episode 373 of the Box Hard Podcast. I've been your host, Joey Coastman. Eddie Chambers has been with me for the duration of the show. A huge thank you to our special guest this week, the reigning English Super Welterweight Champion, Sam Gilly. The biggest thanks of all, though, goes out to you, the listeners. Once again, thank you for tuning into this week's show. We are rapidly approaching the end of the year now. We're, of course, going to have a Christmas special show and an end-of-the-year special show. So we're going to say it from now. Please send in your nominations for the awards that we like to do at the end of the year on the last show of 2022 so we want you the listeners to send in your own personal list of the awards we're going to be doing the fighter of the year the young fighter of the year which you have to be 25 or under to be considered a young fighter um we need your personal favourite knockout of the year, your personal favourite upset of the year, British fighter of the year, female fighter of the year, prospect of the year, fight of the year, trainer of the year. And then, as always, you can feel free to send in your very own pound-for-pound lists 
and myself and Eddie will dissect them. Um, it's always fun. Obviously, there's not much action towards the end of the year over that Christmas period, that New Year period. So we like you, the listeners, to send in your own lists for your own nominations for the awards and your pound-for-pound list. It kind of keeps us going. We rely on you guys to make the show um, a little bit more exciting. Otherwise, we wouldn't have anything to talk about. So please, like I say, send those in. You don't have to submit a fighter for every single category. Just do as many as you can. Like I say, I'm going to I'm gonna give the list one more time. Fighter of the Year, Young Fighter of the Year, 25 and Under, Knockout of the Year, Upset of the Year, British, British Fighter of the Year, uh, Female Fighter of the Year, Prospect of the Year, Fight of the Year, Trainer of the Year, and then if you want, you can send in your pound-for-pound list. Like I say, you can you can send in as many categories as you want. If you if you can't think of a fighter, no problem whatsoever. Skip that one. Uh, but send in as many as you can. It makes it fun. So I ask that of you during this period, and it'll be fantastic if we can have a lot come in. And then we will end up giving away a, a Box Hard Podcast t-shirt to whoever sends sends in the best nominations. Myself and Eddie will, will pick out a winner. So please um, submit your lists, like I say, and your nominations. It really means a lot to us. Thanks in advance for that. But that's about everything from myself. Enjoy your weekends, people. Stay safe, and we shall see you all again next week.